Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Twice a year, Vizient publishes the Pharmacy Market Outlook, featuring drug price projections and key market insights to help support member strategic planning. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues from the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence, Karina Dolan, AVP of Clinical Insights and Forecasting, Shannon Holden, Senior Clinical Manager for Ambulatory, and Jenny Hayes, Senior Clinical Manager for Pharmacy Outcomes. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director and your program host. Welcome back, Karina, and welcome to the podcast, Shannon and Jenny. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Tell me about your roles in creating the Pharmacy Market Outlook. Karina, why don't you start? Thanks, Gretchen. I've been the Vizient now for about nine years. And over that time, I have had the pleasure of watching the Pharmacy Market Outlook grow into what it is today. I'm happy to say that I'm the editor-in-chief of the Pharmacy Market Outlook, and I am supported by some wonderful colleagues, included our team on the Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. And on the podcast here with me today are two of my main contributors, Shannon Holden and Jenny Hayes. Shannon, tell me a little bit about your role. Yeah, I'm a senior clinical manager here at Vizient. I'm a subject matter expert in ambulatory care. So I cover the non-acute sections and then as well as some of the ambulatory service lines and our other pharmacy market outlooks like rheumatology and gastroenterology and such. And Jenny, what were your contributions? My background is in specialty pharmacy and medication use policy. I had the pleasure of authoring the acute care section as well as the specialty section of this edition of the Pharmacy Market Outlook. I know you've made some changes this year to the Outlook. What are they? We are excited to share that we're adapting our current format of the Pharmacy Market Outlook to one that's designed to provide deeper insights and shorten content overall. We've divided our usual table of contents across the January and the July edition. In the January edition, you'll see the deeper dive into the segments of the market, including non-acute, acute, and specialty. And then in the July edition, you'll see deeper dive into the key therapeutic class summaries. All of the analytics that are historically included in the Pharmacy Market Outlook will remain as is with each edition. In the January edition, you will find a one-page spread on the key therapeutic class summaries with the companion analytics, and there will be a few high-level bullets to describe any critical updates in those sections. Well, it's great to hear about those enhancements and to have something to look forward to in July as well. How would you describe the theme for this edition of the Pharmacy Market Outlook? The theme for the January 2023 edition would be transitions of care from the acute to the non-acute or ambulatory care. This is not necessarily a new trend. We've been watching this shift accelerate since the onset of COVID. So much of our retrospective data is describing the changes that are already taking shape. The data has shown the decline in top COVID supportive care treatments, and this is consistent with national rates declining, and there's an increase in the acuity of care of inpatients and the increasing rate of ambulatory services, such as infusion centers and home infusion. Definitely top of mind for a lot of our providers. What impact has this shift had on the acute care segment? As we roll into this new post-COVID era, um, more of our inpatient admissions are truly for acute care critical illnesses. Many of our other services have been moved into the outpatient space. If we focus on COVID therapies, remdesivir is still the top-ranked agent in spend for acute care. 
However, while it came in as the number one ranked agent last year at this time, it has now fallen to fifth overall due to a 33% decrease in member spend, which I think is very welcome news for many of our acute care colleagues. Admissions due to COVID are really well below the peak from this time last year. As we emerge from this trifecta of COVID, influenza, and RSV that we saw this winter, hopefully we'll continue to see this downward trend of COVID admissions throughout 2023. Last year was also exciting in the acute care space as well with the FDA approval of terlipressin, which is one of the first new agents to be approved in the acute care or critical care space in the past several years. That being said, the pivotal clinical trial leading to the approval of this agent did not compare it to the current standard of care, which is albumin plus another vasopressor. It's really going to be unclear the impact um, that this approval will have on the segment of the market. Talking about new drug approvals, if we transition over to specialty pharmacy, I really think that's where all our focus should be. There have been many new approvals in 2022 for first-in-class medications, specifically for dermatology, oncology, and gene therapy. In 2022, many of these new FDA approvals are for increasingly sophisticated and extraordinarily expensive therapies. If we jump to the expensive therapies first, there were three new gene therapies approved in late 2022 with price tags between $2.8 and $3.5 million. These agents were betabeglagene autotemcel, brand name Zinteglo, which is for the treatment of patients with beta thalassemia, elevaldegene autotemcel, brand name Skysona, for the treatment of males with cerebral adrenoleukodystrophy, and then a trancogene desproparvovec, or Hemgenix, for the treatment of patients with hemophilia B that require frequent factor infusions. It will be interesting as we move into this next year to see how payers will cover these three agents. With price tags around $3 million, this is certainly going to be a hot topic, both in the medical as well as the finance world. Additionally, we had some exciting new drug approvals for dermatology. Those include Ducravacitinib for plaque psoriasis and spesolimab for generalized pustular psoriasis, and then two first-in-class agents in oncology, so teclistimab for multiple myeloma, and then mervituximab for platinum-resistant ovarian, fallopian tube, and peritoneal cancer. As many of you are familiar, specialty pharmaceuticals are often incredibly high cost, come with high payer restrictions, and really require a high-touch from our clinical pharmacy colleagues. I'm excited to see the opportunities that these new approvals will have and increasing the influence that our pharmacists have in the ambulatory space. It's definitely going to be important to keep our eye on that segment of the market moving forward. Shannon, what are some of the opportunities for growth in the outpatient space? I'm glad you asked this question. There is this shift in growth in the ambulatory space. With that comes multiple opportunities for pharmacists in ambulatory care. In this edition, we outline the service lines where pharmacists can have the greatest impact in patient care, medication utilization and costs, and even generate revenue. 
These service lines are those where we see tremendous growth in high cost, high touch, high risk medications. These service lines are rheumatology, dermatology, gastroenterology, where we see multiple medications being approved over the past few years, along with multiple medications in development, as well as medications that have new indications where they were previously approved before, but now we're seeing new indications being added. Pharmacists can have a very positive impact in these specialties or this ambulatory care space that not only improve patient care, but they also take some workload off of the physicians. As we know, they've been pretty well taxed since 2020 and and the COVID era. The other thing we talk about in this non-acute section is the shortages in outpatient, which pharmacists can also have some opportunity here. In the past, we have focused on shortages in the acute care setting. However, there are shortages in the non-acute setting that can be pretty impactful. We saw this with the COVID-19 and the utilization of tocilizumab. Tocilizumab was originally approved for rheumatoid arthritis. So when it started being used for COVID-19, we saw supply issues. And this was a real problem and concern for our rheumatoid arthritis patients. Luckily, there was a mitigation strategies that were able to help correct the supply issue. Currently, we are dealing with the GLP-1 agonist supply issue. And these medications are for glycemic control in our type 2 diabetes. However, semaglutide and liraglutide are also approved for weight loss. This past year, we've definitely seen some supply issues with these products, and this can be potentially harmful for our diabetic patients that are unable to receive their medications. We take a look into the payer perspective on this issue of, you know, the coverage between the type 2 diabetes patients versus weight loss. We look at the clinical perspective and how clinically to manage these patients that have diabetes when maybe they're not able to get their medication. We also discussed the new dual action GLP-1 GIP product, terzepatide, and its potential impact on the shortages of this class. It's definitely an interesting space for us because I think we're used to seeing those generic low-cost medications being the ones that are on shortage. So it's a, a new experience for us with these medications. Thank you for sharing that. For the past four editions of the Pharmacy Market Outlook, we've eagerly awaited news on Humira. Is this finally our year? Yes, it is, Gretchen. It's exciting. Just, you know, the end of this month, we'll see the first biosimilar Humira enter the market. Amgevita is our first one that's going to launch. And then with seven more products following this summer, it's pretty exciting. It also brings a lot of questions and concerns of like, what is this going to look like? And what products are patients going to use? Are payers going to cover? So in this particular edition, we try and distinguish those differences. What attributes are different among these? What might lead to the utilization of one product over another? with now eight to choose from. We highlight those and we look at things like formulations, citrate-free versus not citrate-free. You know, is the product going to be available as high concentration versus low concentrations? What strengths are going to be available? Looking at the autoject pens versus pre-filled syringe and then the ease of these autoject pens, each are a little bit different. Is one going to be better than the other? We look at the interchangeability designation and what does that mean? We look at questions around what will patient assistance look like? We don't exactly know yet, but we will be awaiting those answers. And then payer preference, which we have started to hear some things, you know, in the news about payer preference, and I'm sure there's going to be more to come on that. But it is really exciting that it is finally here and we're going to see Humira have some biosimilar competition. 
I agree. It'll be really exciting to see how things continue to develop. Karina, our listeners have been patiently waiting. What's the final projection number for this edition? Yes, the estimated overall drug price inflation rate for the timeframe of July 1st, 2023 to June 30th of 2024 is anticipated to be 3.78%. And this does represent a trend towards more significant price increases from about July 2016 until the pandemic, the rate of drug price growth had been moderate at best. And lately, we have seen a greater magnitude of higher prices of medications following since the pandemic. Thank you for sharing that. I I know we were waiting for that number. How can our frontline pharmacy staff use the pharmacy market outlook in their daily work? This edition includes a lot of great information on the growth of ambulatory care, as Shannon described. For those pharmacists in the ambulatory setting, or possibly those interested in transitioning to the ambulatory setting, there are insights into service line expansion and prepping those pharmacists to assist in delivering high-quality patient care for those service lines and anticipating future service line expansion at their institution. Now, specifically for the acute care segment of the market, the pharmacy market outlook provides trends on high-cost pharmaceuticals, tracking medications with upcoming approval dates, and important regulatory and operational insights for the business of pharmacy. And where can our listeners go if they want more detailed information on the pharmacy market outlook? Your one-stop shop. For members and non-members, as always, our website at avisianinc.com. Members can log in and they can download the full report. They can interact with our webpage and then find additional companion documents, such as our budgeting tools and our drug budget report. Non-members can also interact with this website at avisianinc.com, and they can also be able to download the report as well through a portal. Thank you for that information. Karina, Shannon, and Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today to share your thoughts and insights. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Thanks for having us, Gretchen. It's been a pleasure, Gretchen. Thank you. Please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.